3: Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
2: They said it's a shooter in the gym.
3: I'm kind of ain't freaking out,
0: but it's a shooter in the gym. I'm right by the gym.
2: Yeah, very scary. I'm just thinking like, will I make it out? They didn't know what was going on and maybe shots were fired. All
3: the information
1: that has been given to us uh, is that we have a um, malfunction
3: due to a potential frisbee strike of one of our shot detectors. They say it was a frisbee.
0: They really don't know what's going on. A potential frisbee pad hit the alarm or whatever. Um, it just didn't make any sense. I just think it's a crock. I mean, the system shouldn't fail.
2: Failure's not an option. I mean, we got kids to keep safe.
3: It's a frisbee? Yeah, you Kenosha, know, uh, Kenosha, my, my new jam band, Potential Frisbees, will be touring this holiday season, COVID or no.
0: Kenosha, Wisconsin, a school in errant frisbee, set off their alarm system and implemented ALICE, which I assume is an acronym for something. Sure, something annoying. <laughs> which includes barricading doors and evacuating classrooms, among other tactics, and I'm sure alerting students that we have an active shooter on the campus, which would be pretty freaking horrific. Right. I mean, like you'd never forget it in your life,
3: probably. And it turns out uh, we have a potential Frisbee that uh, may have set off the alarm. They
0: said there's a shooter in the gym. Oh, my God. I can't imagine you're a school kid. You're a teacher. The alarm goes off and they announce there's a shooter in the gym. We either have
3: a crazed murderer in the gym or people are playing Frisbee. So either run for your life or come on over. It's all in the wrist. This is your principal. (laughs) Wow. The
0: Kenosha Police Department arrived on the scene, did a full sweep of the building. Took the Frisbee into custody. As people were uh, soiling themselves, probably shortly after 11 a.m., families were notified the building was cleared. Uh, All the information that has been given us is that we have a malfunction due to a potential Frisbee strike with one of our gunshot detectors. Well, they need to work on those and make them better somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Crazy.
3: There you go. Yeah, well, at least it was a frisbee. You oh, know? Yeah. That's the good news. So, uh, you know, the way the news works is uh, a couple of things. Number one, they're pitching an ideology, and so it's wildly biased. We were talking about that last hour. It gives you this distorted view of, of the country. And, or they just go with what's hot. They watch what you, each other are doing constantly in the news media. We're aware of this. We've worked around newsrooms our our whole uh, mediocre careers. Um, uh, on the other hand, we just, Try to come up with the most interesting and/or relevant stuff. For instance, this—this this is not in the news in the least. With Afghanistan ending our longest war, blah blah blah. We finally got those twenty-five hundred troops out. Hey, lie! It's a major moment in American history, right? Did you know that we have fifty thousand men and women scattered across uh, East Africa, mostly, but Africa and the Middle East fighting against various sorts of Islamic insurgents and al-Qaeda offshoots and al-Shabaab and the rest of it. 50,000. So they would
0: be soldiers in the war on terror? Yes. Yeah, exactly.
3: Yeah. They they opened this article with a 550-acre uh, military base, Camp Lemonier, which I'm guessing you have never heard of. No, 550 acres, that's a big... It houses U.S. special ops teams tasked with fighting the world's most powerful Al-Qaeda affiliates, specifically Al-Shabaab. It unfolds over miles of sun-scorched desert and volcanic rock inside the tiny country of Djibouti. Earthquakes shake Djibouti. Uh, the base uh, looks, and the station troop station here will tell you, like a sand-colored prison fortress. But two sub camps sit behind 20-foot fences, ringed with yet more razor wire, and you get commando teams that jump in airplanes and, and fly about um, across the southern border with Somalia for what they call episodic engagements with Al shabaab helping local forces. Um, but it's in that case, it's it's. I'm not sure how many people our station there, but they go through this checklist of all sorts of places in the Middle East and Africa, 50,000 of our guys out there with guns in hot zones. And it's not every day, but, uh, you know, every couple of days they fly out and they engage in real fire, real combat.
0: And what's what's the reasoning in that that makes sense, but having that same thing in Afghanistan doesn't? Uh,
3: that's an excellent question. Nobody's talking about America's longest war in Somalia, but we've been either aiding or actively joining in the fight against uh, Islamic lunatics there forever. Black Hawk Down, etc. It was all about trying to establish a government there and, and yeah. not give way to the warlords and the Islamists. And the other side of that
0: argument would be, um, or, or in addition, I guess, to the argument would be, nobody's talking about making sure schoolgirls learn in Somalia either, because I'm guessing they're not. Right. Yeah, it's an
3: excellent point. So just wanted you to know, you know, as we've you know, discussed for many, many years, it used to be when the United States was involved in a military endeavor, uh, there were kids from every neighborhood who were in the armed forces and every family felt it and talked about it and it was front and center. But now we have a fairly narrow military class. And we can have 50,000 people scattered around the world. And I'm not talking about sitting on a base in South Korea hoping Kim Jong, newly thin fathead, um, doesn't launch a strike. I'm, I'm talking about hot zones. Um, yeah. And it's, it's worth knowing.
0: You could be a, a young guy, probably guy, and uh, come back and have spent your entire military career in full-on battle with bad guys, like stuff you see in the movies. And nobody would even know what you were talking about if you brought it up. I was in Djibouti fighting Al-Shabaab. Where and what? Right. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Is that a restaurant? Uh, We got this text, and we ought to fill this in, just because maybe we're being a little too clever. Uh Uh-oh. What the hell is tree equity? I specifically listen to you guys all the time, and I think I missed the joke or didn't realize that this is a real thing. If this is a thing, could you please explain what you're talking about? Yeah, sorry about that. In one of the bills, I guess, is it the human infrastructure bill? It's in the real infrastructure bill. I don't remember which one. I thought it was the francification bill. There's a hell of a lot of crap in the so-called real infrastructure bill. But anyway. Oh, yeah. uh, Tree equity, and it's gazillions of dollars. To make sure that uh, under-treed neighborhoods get more trees, there's a belief that some neighborhoods don't have as many trees as other neighborhoods, and that's not fair. And so they're go- and, and 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 you should put, of course, the federal government in charge of this. Having yes. the dollar as far away from the roots of the local tree as you can get, because that's where you're going. That's where you're going to get the most accuracy.
3: Not really a metaphor.
0: and uh and uh yeah so they're gonna spread around gazillions of dollars that uh, here's one thing i guarantee you it won't do it won't end up with an equal number of trees in
3: all the neighborhoods more trees for (laughs) black folks the underserved, under-treeed communities, which tend to be of color and blah, blah, blah. Well, if they're in cities, yeah, there are fewer trees in cities than there are in the countryside. Or if you think that you've got a problem with that in your town
0: or whatever, then y'all should get together and vote on it and uh, plant some damn trees. But right.
3: the federal government being involved in this is hilarious. It, it is, and that's one of the things that makes me crazy. I could repeat my screed of last hour about the government as merely a broker in you know spending tax dollars and keeping a cut. But if you want the bluntest, dumbest, most wasteful approach to a local problem. Please do employ the federal government. If you want it to take decades and never actually happen correctly, employ the federal government. And yet everybody acts, it looks to the feds for solutions. I, just, I don't know. What
0: color is the sky in your world? You called what I said a metaphor. I was looking at my son's uh, homework. He's got a test this week in analogies, metaphors, and similes. And I got to admit, I was reading the... Definition of each. Ah, having trouble telling the difference. I mean, it's there slicing the days. You slice it pretty thin on analogies,
3: metaphors, and similes. And there was one other word similar to well, that. Well, I know every every simile is a metaphor. Correct. but Not every metaphor is a simile. That is Analogies. Right. Um. But an analogy is is just when you compare one, say, function to a similar function. Yeah, and
0: doesn't have to be. Um, or am I getting it backwards? But uh, if I say, like, that noise is like a jackhammer in my brain. Simile. Because oh, like, I use the word like. Anytime mm-hmm. you use the word like, it's a simile. Um, so I'm trying to come up with not using the word like. But anyway, a jackhammer in my brain, there's not actually a jackhammer in my brain. So that makes it a simile as
3: opposed to an analogy? I mean, well, now, a, on a
0: metaphor as opposed to an analogy.
3: If you said the voice a jackhammer keeping me from sleeping, that would be a metaphor. An analogy would be an analogy is awfully like a simile. They
0: are. That's why I was saying the the description of them, at least from this paperwork, goes slicing it very thin. And I thought, is it really important to have three different words for this? But anyway, you know, I'm I'm not anti-learning this stuff. I learned it, but define analogy, And I said to my son, to me, a good analogy is like a car driving up a hill. And he, he didn't catch my joke. So,
3: <laughs> An analogy, Jack, is a comparison between two things, typically for the purpose of explanation or clarification. Okay. Then what is a metaphor? Um, um, it's uh, describing one thing with another thing. All right. Yeah, yeah. I think. Well, with a metaphor, the leaves are falling. Yellow snow. No, that's a portrait. Yellow snow. Now that's that. Get to that. No, no, no. <laughs> the leaves are falling. A gentle rain of decaying leaf stuff. I mean, that's that's a metaphor, but it's not an analogy exactly, is it?
0: If I say you're a pain in my ass, you're not actually a pain in my ass, but or is that just an insult?
3: Right. That's just, well, it's a metaphorical insult. No, it's not. I don't know what it is. The banking system is much like the system of a tree. It takes moisture from below, like Mm. the savings, that disseminates the leaves of loans. That's a good one. That's an analogy. Gotcha. It's not a good one. (laughs) Yes, Michael. This segment is like nails on a chalkboard. (laughs) There you go. Uh, That's a simile, my friend. That's pretty good right there. Yeah.
0: uh (laughs) Um, it's funny when you go through your kid's homework and you remember, Oh God, I remember I can just, and just picture like a hot afternoon after lunch, kind of tired teacher talking about this, trying to remember it enough for the quiz. Child.
3: <laughs> 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 yeah, no kidding. Exactly. Son, trust me, just get the gist of this and move on. Yeah. And it'll be fine.
0: Everything, yeah. everything will be fine. Uh, Spain's got an interesting idea that they're going to do for people. Maybe we should do that around here. Maybe we shouldn't. I don't know. How do you feel about chasing politicians into bathrooms and yelling at them? And who was behind that? A whole bunch of other things we can talk about coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show.
1: Armstrong and Getty.
2: The Armstrong and Getty Show. While speaking,
4: Biden took time out to comment on the new all-electric Air Ford F-150, which he test drove back in May, and he had this to say. I got to drive that sucker. It's quick, 0 to 60 in 4.1 seconds. And it's a big boy. It's a big boy. It's truly amazing somehow biden is both 78 years old and 10 years old at the same time
0: <laughs> so he's talking about electric cars i guess yep is that that other play that other clip that we got where he's uh, talking about the charging stations
4: when you build a charging station it's like back in the day when my grandpa worked for the american oil
3: company back in the turn of this in the 19 1920 in that area oh boy Come for the senility, stay for the poor comparison. Yeah, Grand Pop didn't have the government build a gas station that no one would use and only it administered like a dribble of gas.
0: All right, right. For-profit businesses put the gas stations because there's money to be made off of that. And people wanted them. Yeah. Spain is not again, now going to give 400 euros to everyone who reaches the age of 18. Congratulations, you're 18, here's 400 euros. It's a bonus to be spent on cultural goods, the Prime Minister says. Hmm. Yeah. Can you only spend it on cultural goods? And what's a cultural good? Like a painting or a book of poetry or, or what? In Spain. Um, some castanets? You've got to have castanets. Some sort of uh, sombrero or boots of Spanish leather or I don't sure. know. a nylon string guitar. Mm. But you can only spend it on that?
3: I don't know. I'm. What, what,
0: what am I, the king of Spain over here? No clue. Just wondered what you thought. Of. It sounds like wealth redistribution to me. Yeah. Um, which uh, there was a a video that went out yesterday. It was one of your dang videos. There's too many videos. <laughs> too many dang videos.
3: Jack Armstrong.
0: <laughs> but this was making arounds It was how capitalism handles excess food, and it was somebody at a donut shop. Um, at the end of the day, when they got too many donuts left over and uh, putting all the donuts in the garbage, which was, as a donut fan, hard to watch, all those delicious donuts going in the garbage. I was talking to my, I was at the donut shop the other day. I go to the donut shop a lot. But I was at the donut shop the other day, and I said, clearly the hardest part of this business is guessing how many donuts to make every day. And he said, he said, that's the entire thing that's the whole thing with running a donut shop that's, well you're
3: really bonded with him
0: at that that's moment the only thing it's it's really more important than everything else is just because you know if you get it really really wrong you can't stay in business and he said and you guess wrong so often um but anyway so you got this video going around this is how capitalism handles excess food as they're pouring the donuts in the garbage and tim sandifer responded bonded to it with how socialism handles excess food oh that's right there isn't any and pictures of people starving to death now i don't know if this was china or russia or you know name so many south american countries name all these different communist countries cuba where people have starved to death because there's no food has there ever been a famine in a country that had capitalism
3: uh only during times of like severe political turmoil and war but somebody else replied, and a friend of the Armstrong and Getty show sent this along of the rampant cannibalism in the Soviet Union when people were starving to death right. and would hunt each other down just to eat their flesh. And that is not a joke, folks. That happened. No joke. No joke. Not malarkey.
0: Um, yeah. So just you know, well, what, 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 what I just it drives me crazy that unicorn riding soft heads. Post these sort of things and comment them on like them and get, like, feel like they've done something. They it's... feel like
3: they've spiked the football, dropped the mic. This is how capitalism deals with excess food.
0: Yeah, exactly. Capitalism's
3: the only system on earth that has excess food, you numbskull. Well, Not right?
0: a joke. And g- g- you don't have to be much of a fan of history to know that the only system that has caused hundreds of millions of people to starve is socialism. Specifically, China and the USSR and large scale like that. And ah,
3: it makes me so crazy. Well, and, and how concerned are you about the poor getting enough donuts anyway? <laughs> We've already got an enormous obesity <laughs> epidemic
0: among oh, the poor. Oh, that's pretty funny. And you
3: want them to get free
0: donuts now? Actually, the, the donut shop I go to, he said I take them over and we donate them to the church. And I don't know where they go from there. Fat, fat <laughs>
3: priests. I don't Into know. Into the bellies of the parishioners. <laughs> Come to worship the Lord and get you a donut. Why not? Win-win. Sounds good. Oh, hey, coming up, I know a lot of you are hot to trot on this. The Attorney General of the United States, who I thought was a fairly reasonable fellow, Merrick Garland, putting out a memo saying, yeah, you people yelling and stomping at school board meetings, you're pretty much domestic terrorists, and the federal government is going to crack down on people who are adamant or violent or just kind of loud at school board meetings. What? And we got a guy doing an AOC
0: impersonation that's kind of funny? So yes. all that on the
1: Armstrong and Getty
4: Your perfect home sweet home
3: The Armstrong and Getty Show.
1: Do you think that the four feet of marble that holds you above high in this chamber will help you from the fate of humanity, which you are unleashing? No! No! It won't!
3: Have you been a good little Nazi? That that one was San Diego area, right? It was indeed. Uh, San Diego Unified Schools, I think. Um, At any rate... Uh, We've played for you. You've probably seen into quite a number of feisty school board meetings lately. They've ranged from people righteously adamant about uh, vaccine mandates and or the teaching of uh, racism to children. It's been one of the big topics lately uh, to other other topics. But apparently the federal government has in its infinite wisdom decided this is something the FBI and the Department of Justice should deal with. People being overly adamant or making threats in school board meetings.
0: Have you been a good little Nazi? Well, that, that's, wait, wait a second. There's a pretty big gap between being overly adamant, whatever that means. Talk about eye of the beholder. and oh, making exactly. a exactly. And making a threat. Nobody should be able to make threats to anybody, whether you're outside their bathroom stall or at a school board meeting. But being overly adamant? Right, I, I, as a talk show host, have a problem with uh, decrying, uh,
3: being overly adamant. Well, right, and that was just some of my words. Um, But it's interesting. I'm looking at a lot of accounts from uh, conservatives, and they uh, keep referring to, quote, domestic terrorism. Right. Um, And that might have been somewhere. Somebody might have said that, but I can't find that in Merrick Garland's statement, that specific phrase. But at any rate, it's troubling enough because, you know, in the same way uh, one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter, one man's protester is another's, uh, you know, uh, intimidator or threatener of violence. And the idea that the federal government ought to be investigating everybody who raises their voice or, or, uh, for instance, makes a threat that we're going to get you kicked off this board. Now, does that rise to the level of the federal law enforcement looking into it? Well, and going I, going through your trash and your bank accounts and the rest of it? Yeah. No!
4: Yeah, okay. w- what
0: confused me about this is um, it's kind of like the, the odd notion of a hate crime, which I've never liked. It's already a crime to do this, so why is it, why you get some sort of special category for it being a crime? Um, you can't threaten people. Um, that's already against the law, uh, mm-hmm. wherever you live. And why is there a different category now for a school board? which
3: are entirely under, well, almost entirely under local control, and I to some th- extent state.
0: You shouldn't threaten anybody. If you do threaten someone, you should uh, pay a price with your local police department or county or state or whatever whatever uh, law you violated. But uh, the, to me, the only reason you would uh, do this and, and, and make an announcement about it, is you're trying
3: to intimidate people out of not speaking up at school board meetings. That's correct. That's absolutely correct. I like this sentence from the actual statement by Merrick Garland. While spirited debate about policy matters is protected under our Constitution, that protection does not extend to threats of violence or efforts to intimidate individuals based on their views. Oh, wait a minute there, Merrick boy. How about virtually every school, every public school in America, every university, people are intimidated based on their views every single day if their views run counter to the critical race theory, woke garbage. They're intimidated based on their views every single day. Well, again, they're not worried about that.
0: My problem is with the and that first part is perfectly legit. You can't threaten people. Or he said he said and and intimidate. Uh, or intimidate? Well, okay, okay. Now we're into a different category. What? What the hell? Is, who decides what's intimidating or not? Is following someone into the bathroom and
3: standing outside the stall and yelling at them intimidating them? I sure think it is. It absolutely is. Of course it is. The department takes these incidents seriously and is committed to using its authority and resources to discourage these threats. Remember, but it's threats and efforts to intimidate individuals based on their views, whatever that means. In the coming days, the department will announce a series of measures designed to address the rise in criminal conduct directed towards school personnel. God, this is pretty funny
0: now that you mention uh, universities. So nobody, uh, you didn't have an attorney general coming forward and talking about intimidating people around education when it was the, the one conservative teacher on campus who was being screamed at by people.
3: When Peter Boghossian was being assaulted, spit on, his lectures interrupted, uh, uh, cords being yanked out of the wall, mic cords being cut. None of that got the attention of the uh, the Justice Department. Overt intimidation on a daily basis. But now if somebody raises their voice at a school board meeting, they're going to have an FBI agent in their living room. Oh, that's just, that's just beautiful. And let me make this clear. I have seen every, every level of what they're describing from some brilliant, eloquent stuff that is challenging the school boards and letting them know they will be tossed out of office if they don't uh, comply with the wishes of the parents to the guy screaming about good little Nazis to people who are jackasses who are actually physically threatening people and you're an idiot. Stop it. Don't do that. It's illegal, it's immoral, and it's a terrible strategy, okay? But who gets to decide which is which? Is the woke school board member who believes our children should be pitted against each other by race? Are they or are they not? Going to immediately run to the feds and say, they're threatening me, they're threatening me. This organization of mostly white parents is threatening me. Because remember, speech is violence. And violence is speech. Burning down your town is not violence, but speaking up at a school board member is. So this this is just so clearly an effort for the woke crowd to get the awe and fearsome power of the federal government on their side to silence their critics. There are already remedies for making physical threats. Yeah, it's already against the law. So. and if your local cops aren't dealing with it, they ought to be. Call them and call them and call them.
0: Um, uh, another government overreach story, this one out of uh, Germany, but it could apply to the United States. I want to talk about, oh, and somebody doing a hilarious, it's an AOC impersonation, but uh, you know, but more broadly, it's just impersonation of people with their word salads, whenever they, they don't have a good answer for something. Love it. Pretty funny. That's coming up.
3: Yeah, after a quick word from our friends at Simply Safe Home Security, the best home security system of 2021, according to U.S. News and World Report, it's just gotten better, substantially better. Super high def, zoomable, wireless outdoor security camera.
0: Ultra wide, 140 degree field of view, so you can uh, keep a watch over your entire yard with one camera there, or your entire front street, or whatever you want to look at. 1080 HD resolution, eight times zoom. So you're going to be able to zoom right in on little neighbor Jimmy's face. And see that he's the one stealing your newspaper or whatever even more heinous thing that is actually happening. Right. Or the license plate of the guy who's uh, stealing all the packages
3: on your street.
0: Ah, damn him. It's got a built in spotlight with color night vision. It's battery operated, so it doesn't have to be near an outlet. And it integrates easily with your Simply
3: Safe home security system that you hopefully already have. Learn more about the exciting new Simply Safe wireless outdoor security camera at simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. They'll knock 20% off your entire new system in your first month of monitoring service free when you enroll in interactive monitoring. Or if you already have the system, just get a couple of these cameras. Again, that's simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Simplysafe.com slash Armstrong.
0: So one area of Germany, Bavaria, is that a state or a province or a county or whatever yes the way, yes, they, the way they, is, exactly the way they demark areas in Germany but um they had some pretty restrictive um uh curfews around covid you were Lots not allowed up until like recently like real recently you were not allowed to leave your house at night unless it was for an essential reason or like anytime wow. after eight o'clock or uh, just crazy well a uh, uh, judge just stepped in and said no no you have way overreached And uh, and I I liked what the judge said because I think this applies to the various things in the United States too. And and the curfew was basically suitable to inhibit transmission of the coronavirus, and it's blah 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 blah. But it was not a necessary measure, according to the ruling. And the judge said, when selecting protective measures, authorities must choose one that puts the least burden on fundamental rights from equally suitable means. You need to do what is the mildest measure possible to accomplish your goal. And it's interesting because the Bavarian government's argument was, no, 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 we need to do the uh, the strictest measure. The more restrictive restriction is always the most appropriate measure whenever wow. you have an emergency. And the, the Germans. So, Am I wrong? <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah, but, Nazi um, Germany. but you know, we've had that sort of thing around here where it's just it's it's just so interesting to actually get to see in real time. I've been reading about this whole my my whole life that where you give the county health person or or the school board or whoever a little bit of power, they want to go with the most restrictive thing that they're that their power will allow them to do for the ultimate safety. And luckily, every once in a while, there's a judge or a a, a higher level of government that says, no, 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 you got to do the
3: least restrictive thing, not the most restrictive thing. Well, and I think the burden of proof needs to be on the authorities at every single step of the of the, the way. I mean, for instance, there were some counties in California I'm pretty familiar with that sued uh, the governor saying according to the state constitution, an emergency is XYZ. This is not an emergency. So you shouldn't have emergency powers at all. But if those emergency powers are granted, the the county health person who's usually employed just making sure bums can get gonorrhea shots, all of a sudden, <laughs> All of a sudden, they're in charge of all of society, and they get to king-like powers, and there's no presumption of liberty that they have to overcome. They just declare, no, you can't go uh, into the park. You can't play golf, famously. Mm-hmm. Outdoors, people hundreds of yards away from you, you can't do that.
0: It's, it's just an interesting relearning of the lesson of human nature, where they, they shot back at the judge, no, we need to use the, the, the most restrictive rules we can a under law. Wow.
3: Wow. That's scary. Just in case that's the most effective. Yeah. Because we have the power.
0: Anyway, away from that, on to fun. I don't even know if you know this story. Um, there was a dust-up over funding for Israel, basically, to reload, rebuild their Iron Dome protective system that got pulled out of the infrastructure bill. The parliamentarians said, you, you can't, you, that, that can't be in there. And then uh, it wasn't going to pass. So blah, blah, blah. They had a separate vote for whether or not we're going to give a, a billion dollars to Israel. And there are some lefties that don't like us giving money to Israel, right? Um, and AOC is part of that crowd. But for some reason, the bill passed the hundred billion dollars to Israel, but she and a couple other people voted present. Yeah, as opposed to yes or no. And uh, she defended her decision recently when she was asked uh, by an interviewer who said that didn't seem to really please anybody. Why did you, why did you vote present? And she said, in the micro, I do believe that this created a window in our community to be able to bring all folks to the table, you know, and just that sort of stuff. And and so this guy on TikTok did a little version of that kind of political answer.
2: Oh, absolutely. And I I do believe there is something to be said about this sort of, uh, how do I put this, Uh, willing ignorance, right? This sort of duality between that consciousness of being aware in such manner, and yet, readily marginalizing that intersectionality. It's very profound. These, these conversations are intrinsically multifaceted, right? There are different angles to be looking at this from, and it's crucial to juxtapose that contrast within those realms of varying perspectives. And it's, it's sort of the case where, you know, are we asking ourselves the right questions, or are we all just sort of victim to the cause itself? It's, it's suffocating, to be quite frank. It's paralyzing. But uh, having these conversations is extremely, extremely vital in fundamental change. That's wow. just I, I almost want to memorize.
4: Blah 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 blah, blah.
2: I,
0: I almost want to memorize that and have it ready for the right situation. Wow! And anytime politicians do that sort of thing, the uh, whoever was interviewing just goes along. Okay, interesting. Well, thank you. That was uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez of uh, of New York. Thank you for your time today. I mean, that nobody said. Wait a second! You didn't say anything. <laughs>
3: And the cow-eyed <laughs> would-be cultist sitting there in the classroom just say yes, professor. Yes, professor.
0: Oh, oh, oh the integration of the duality. That's what you got to get going. Well, I, I mean, say, I, I
3: haven't even started.
0: <laughs> wow. Oh, boy, that's funny. More
1: on the way.
3: Armstrong and Getty.
4: perfect home sweet home
0: The Armstrong and Getty Show
2: that's right. Today, a Facebook whistleblower testified for more than three hours in front of Congress
0: and said some pretty damaging things. That's right. The whistleblower said Facebook has repeatedly misled the public. And that is not okay. We already have an app for misleading the public. It's called Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> so I know. That's pretty good. I've never done the Tinder. I don't know. Uh, what does that joke mean? Just people uh, lie on
3: there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and you retouch the pics, and just, it's... Uh, God, that sounds horrible. I know. I know it. So while, while we're
0: on the Facebook topic, um, Robbie Suave, who we've had on the show a number of times, he is a libertarian who writes with Reason Magazine, um, says, as Facebook crumbles, the case for breaking it up is weaker than ever. The site is clearly in trouble, and the government doesn't need to step in. The idea is that after a month of disastrous news coverage and um, uh, insiders coming forward with damaging information, they are going to be regulated by, you know, market forces. And the government doesn't need to jump in on
3: this. It's dying on its own. Oh you know that reminds me I just read, read a piece in the Washington Post that was about this flood of uh, unknown like products and 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 companies and stuff that you click on a Facebook ad and it looks sexy and everything but then you get something made by you know Squidbuilt or whatever and it's <laughs> and and it's garbage and that how more and more consumers are getting alienated from Facebook and amazon.com marketing online marketing is so it's so saturated with like fake chinese knockoff crap it's it's a huge wave of people understanding the buyer has to be beyond aware or beware they have to be paranoid you're better off going to a store yeah
0: the uh, a business article in the new york times yesterday we i think we mentioned this late in the show yesterday but they uh, they said that the New York Times said that if you're the sort of person that studies the rise and fall of companies, Facebook has all of the indications of a company, a big company that's dying. Hmm. That is on, you know, it's a way out. Um, certainly a, a, a giant drop in its power. So, yeah. So it looks like life time. Reality is going to bring it down, and maybe we don't need the government to step, step in on the uh, in on this in ways that could affect, you know, unforeseen consequences of you trying to regulate some of these platforms.
3: Right, especially when they're a, a speech platform, and for all their loathsome habits, I, the cure is almost always worse than a disease when you're regulating speech.
0: Home Dodgers playoff game today as they are taking on the St. Louis Cardinals. Keep an eye on the TV if you watch and see if there's a criminal behind home plate, because it has happened in the past. US, U.S. Marshals are on the look for a guy. John Rufo is his name. He pulled off a $353, $353 million bank fraud back in 1998. That yeah. is a big crime. $353 million. Anyway, a couple of years back now, um, he's sitting right behind home plate, got great tickets, four seats up, and his cousin's watching the Dodgers game and says, Holy crap, <laughs> that's John! And he wow. freeze frames his TV, takes a picture of it, and immediately contacts the authorities, and they've been looking for him.
3: Some cousin um, you are.
0: Uh, a, a Dodgers identified the ticket holder pretty easily, because he could figure out what seat it was, but it belonged to a guy who had given the ticket away and who it ended up with he didn't know. Uh, so anyway, they've been trying to uh, trace the the people that were sitting next to him and try to figure out who it was. But he was he, he's on the run and has been for, geez, what, 15 years uh, pulling off a $353 million bank fraud. But I guess he's a big enough Dodgers fan that he wanted to have the really good seats for a big game and went man,
3: ahead and sat there. Man, that takes some huevos because, you know, you're going to be on camera at least semi-regularly. Yeah, you're
0: fairly comfortable with your ability to uh, evade the police, I guess, if you're going to baseball games
3: wow wow that's wild ought to be a great game too i mean because the dodgers won 106 games only team in history to win that many games not win their division and uh, st louis at one point had won i think 17 in a row like this this past month so they're red hot the Redbirds. this has finally
0: happened um somebody's been denied a kidney transplant because they're unvaccinated How do we feel about this? A Colorado woman with stage 5 renal failure was ready to get her new kidney, but now she and her donor are looking for another hospital after learning of UC Health's policy in California. According to UC Health, the majority of transplant recipients and living donors are now required to be vaccinated against COVID-19. Neither the donor nor the recipient
3: were vaccinated, so they won't do it. By the way, they will do an organ donation if you're a prisoner on death row, but not if you're unvaccinated. Or probably if you're an illegal immigrant that just showed up to the hospital and need it. Right. So rape and murder, yes, that's fine. Failure to get the bat fever jab, you're out. Just if you are keeping track. California, which claims a surplus, is in horrible financial shape. That story next hour. If you ever miss the show, grab the podcast.
1: Armstrong and Getty.
2: information.